Hello and welcome to the NC Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build a profitable property portfolio that completely aligns with their goals. We have got something really special coming up this November, which if you're not on my mailing list or in my Property Investment Mastery Facebook group, you're going to want to get in there now. Honestly, throughout the end of November, actually from the 11th of November, so that's kind of the middle of the month, I'm going to be doing a members club takeover so that you can see exactly what happens in my members club. And then here's the secret. I'm opening the members club this month, just for four days. You're not gonna know when that is unless you are on my newsletter, so on my mailing list. And if you want to join my mailing list, head to ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash flowchart. I'll put the link below. I'll also send you my property investment expansion success formula. And then once that email comes through, you'll also get the link to join the Property Investment Mastery Facebook group. And make sure you do. You do not want to miss out on all the goodness that is coming your way this month. The links are going to go below in the show notes. So if you want to click them now, go do it. But make sure you continue listening to this podcast because I've got a feeling there's going to be some things in here that are going to completely resonate with you. So I have, this is the first time I'm recording in the studio with Josh here since I think like a month and a half. It's been a long time um, because I've been traveling. If you remember, Chris and I went on our mini moon, then I was only in New York with him for a couple of days and I was in the UK and time seems to have absolutely fly, flown. And there was a couple of reasons for me being in the UK. The first one being is that I had to get my long-term visa to be in the States. If anybody's ever gone through a visa process, honestly, I applaud you because it can be the most soul-destroying process. The reason that I've had to update my visa is because obviously Chris and I are now married. So I have to move from my original B2, which was a temporary travel visa, onto my spousal visa for Chris. Now, we initially thought that that was going to allow us everything that Chris gets to do. Unfortunately, it's not quite that simple. Um, but the other reason that I wanted to get my L2 visa pretty quickly was because it then enables me to get an American bank account. Well, actually, rewind. A social security number in America, my American bank account, and then a driving license. And I could not do anything like that without my L2 visa. So that was one of the reasons I went back. Actually, the interview for the L2 was not that bad at all compared to when I got the B2, which seemed to go on for hours and hours and hours and hours. This one lasted literally 45 minutes. I just had to prove that I had got married and that I was going to be living with Chris, but that I was not going to be working in the US. Um, and that still stands because everything that I do is UK based. Um, so then once the visa came through, I came back to the US. Uh, I, then I applied for my social security number, which again requires a lot of documentation, proving yourself uh, to the local government that you are who you say you are and that I am actually married to Chris, but I also had to sign to say that I wouldn't work out here, which is fine you know it is what it is that's not what we were expecting to happen but fine 
I'm not stopping my business or anything in the UK. So whatever, that's okay. Um, and now I'm in the process of waiting for that to come through. Hopefully that's any day now so I can get a US bank account. So if you have never thought about the fact that you couldn't take out a mobile phone contract, you can't have a bank account in the one of the countries that you usually reside in, and you, you haven't really got any rights to do anything. Well, that's been my situation in the US for the last 12 months. Now, I always make the best of situations. And as you know, I come backwards and forwards from the UK regularly. So I live in the UK, I live in the US. Um, so from both of those points of view, it's just meant that when I'm in the US, I've been a lot more restricted for what I can and can't do. Uh, and for those of you who in the UK think, well, actually, it's an easier process to get into the UK. Uh, as from what I hear, it's just as bad. So I do feel for you, if you're going through any type of visa application process, it is frustrating. But the funny thing is, is that I have to get a whole new driver's license. And yes, I do have to do my theory test again, which I am practicing for at the moment. Um, then I have to go on a driving something, driving course, safe driver awareness course, and then do my actual test again, even though I've been driving for the last 13 years. And I can only, and I have to do that in order to be able to get insurance on a car in America that we own. So that's why I'm going through all of these protocols. I am being asked a lot by people, what is your tax position? I'm going to be very honest with you and say, we don't know. We need to go through a cycle of the tax year. So tax season comes early next year in the US. I'll be on Chris's tax return as his wife. There is a, a dual tax agreement in place between the US and the UK, which means that when I'm earning in the UK, I'm paying tax there. And because that's my primary residence, then I continue paying tax there and not in the US. But we are yet to see what happens with the Jersey deal and I'm always very transparent with um, HMRC, we'll be very transparent with the IRS and we will see what happens. It's all an experiment because our accountants haven't been in this situation before. Um, we've spoken to the people at, at Facebook where Chris, is work, Chris works, they don't really know. Um, anybody's listening to this and you've got knowledge of UK accounting plus US accounting and how we join that, please feel free to get in contact with me. But it's a bit of a suck it and see We'll, we'll give it a go and see what happens. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. So I've got no answers, but this time next year I would have answers. So I know that this is one of the things that I tell people, do not ever go into something unprepared or with no certainty of outcome. We are kind of in a gray area. We really are because it's very tough to find accountants who's got super specialist UK tax knowledge and super specialist US tax knowledge and they overlap. So we are playing it by ear. But as I said, we are very, very open about um, making sure we declare everything, getting the best advice and knowing what's going on. So there's no hiding anything from our point of view. Um, we're going to see what happens. That's as best as I can tell you. And when I do have the actual information, I'll give you the actual actual information and tell you what's happened for now. Who knows? Who knows? But I'm not overly worried about it because if I'm honest with you, and this may sound uh, like I don't care about money, but it, investing in the Jersey project, project 
was an experiment and we would only ever be taxed on our profit. You're never taxed on the investment you make into the property. So from that point of view, we're not gonna be in a worse situation. Do you see what I mean? So it's not as if I'm terrified about what the outcome is going to be. It's that we are just going to see what happens at the time. And then I can advise or not advise you, but I can tell you my experience and share that with you. So that's been what's going on with the American visa side of things. Um, here's another thing. Whilst I was in the UK, I went to inspect one of my flats and um, the, the owner who lives above or has the property above um, got in contact with me and said, hey, Natasha, do you want to buy my flat? Now, I have not been expecting to buy a property at the end of this year. It just was not in the plan. I wasn't looking for it. But then I thought, oh, this could actually be work out really, really well for me because I need it for a management play that I'm going to try and do on the property. Now, this is where the topic for today's podcast came in because one of the big things about not knowing that you're going to buy something and then suddenly realizing that this is an opportunity that can't be missed is that's fear in your head talking to you about the fact that oh you couldn't possibly do this and what if this goes wrong and this that and the other and so I want to focus on that because even though I talk about this thing these things I mentor in these things I do constantly invest come on I've just told you that I invested in New Jersey and had taken a punt on the tax regime. Come on, like that's, I I talk about all of these things and I reason it with it in my head for why it works. I cannot tell you that it's still not scary to jump into a project that you didn't think was going to happen. And so you can probably relate to this. Have you ever looked at a property and thought, oh, I should offer this, see what happens. And then all of a sudden your brain goes, but you don't have the money. You don't have the finance in place. You don't have this. This could go wrong. This could go wrong. You could bankrupt yourself and all of a sudden you talk yourself out of it. Do you ever do that? Can you relate? Or maybe you've put in an offer on a property and thought, no, get me out of this. I can't do it. Couldn't possibly do it. Yeah. Well, me too. (laughs) fear is a very normal thing that you have to play with when you are investing in property. So I went to have a look at this flat uh, when I knew that the owner was home. I just went upstairs. Uh, He showed me around. I knew what the flat looked like, really. It's an exact identical floor plate to mine. So I wasn't expecting anything different apart from it's one floor up. This is a walk-up building, so there's no lift in it. And it's in the eaves which means that there's a slightly lower ceiling height that's the difference between my flat and his flat however I also know that in Bath where this property is that although property prices now aren't escalating they're also not falling so they kind of stopped around their 2016-2017 levels maybe they went up a bit in 2018 but 2019's kind of held really really steady now at the moment on the market you cannot get a two bed in Bath for less and this is a two bed flat in the center of Bath I'm not talking about outskirts in the hills you cannot get 
a two bed flat in the center of Bath for less than two, th less than three, three, five right now. So I knew know that because I keep an eye on the market. So I thought to myself, hmm, okay, what's the best course of action here? What are the pros of me buying it? Now, the pros of me buying this property are I already know the management situation in the block. It's an incredibly long lease. This is a 999 year lease. The service charge obligations are pretty favorable on leaseholders. I know that I make money out of it because I already make money out of my own. This would actually help me a little bit because if Chris and I want to start a family in the next 12 months, I have more income coming in. So I'm not necessarily so dependent on my other sources of income. And also, I'm having a renovation on one of my flats. I could just do this similar on this one. And that was my thought process behind it. So I went and took a look and actually the owner has spent quite a bit of money on the property. And so I thought to myself, okay, cool. This is in good condition. I'm not gonna need to come in here and do anything unless I, I want to do it to make it look like Natasha Collins style branded property where I would maybe paint a couple of the doors and switch two of the radiators. But that is about it for that property that I would need to do. That's not gonna cost me an awful lot of money. And then the seller said to me, Natasha, I will sell it to you for 295. And I thought, no, you're gonna have to let me think about this. And so I walked away and said, can you give me a week and a half? Because I also need to speak to Chris, my other half, um, about the fact that I would be very keen on buying this. So that was, that was the very first thing that I did. And at that point, that's not scary, is it? Because you've not committed to anything. You've not had to do any due diligence or find out anything. And the due diligence really, I already know because I'm in that building already. And so I walked away and it suddenly hit me that this year I have spent or invested most of our money in other property deals. We've got a lot of money in the Jersey project, for example. I've put a little bit into peer-to-peer -peer lending. We've also invested in stocks and shares this year. We've, between Chris and I, we've, we've done quite a bit of investment. And so from that side of things, I thought, oh, okay. Um, how do I start to look at this money? Because I don't have it readily available. Secondly, what kind of financing can I get? Thirdly, is this even a possible situation for me? And that, those are the fears. Those are the fears that, that creep in and I'm sure you can relate to that. So what did I do? How did I figure out how to make the, put myself in more control? Well, I got back to the, the US where I could sit and have a conversation with Chris. I wasn't gonna do anything before that because quite frankly, we, I was too busy. When I was in the UK, we had members club events. We had um, weddings to go to, family events, just so much going on. I had to go to the university that I work at. I was just busy nonstop. I couldn't really put much thought into buying another property whilst I was there. I needed to speak to Chris because the agreement is now that everything that since we've got married, everything we do together, we discuss together because previously we used to do things very individually. And that is an agreement that I will live by because we committed to each other to do that. So I wanted to get back and, and speak to him about that. 
And I came back and I sat down and I put one of my big whiteboards in front of me. So I would recommend with every single property that you are looking to buy, you do the same. Put a big board in front of you, whether that is a whiteboard, whether that's a chalkboard, whether that's just a massive piece of paper, or whether it's just a blank wall with sticky notes. Then I got a big wad of sticky notes and I started to write down every single step that I had to go through in order to purchase that property. That was put in an offer, find the deposit, instruct my solicitor, find the finance to go with it, go through the conveyancing process for it, purchase the property, furnish the property, let the property out. And I would furnish it because we get more money for this property. So those are the steps that I had to go through. And then I thought to myself, well, if I can now do this one at a time, I should probably be able to figure out every single step. And so the next thing that I did was I got in contact with my mortgage broker and said, hey, look, there's an opportunity come up. I'm not going to pay £295,000 for it, but what, what could I get lending on based upon the rental income that I'm expected to get? Now, the mortgage broker then came back to me and said, Natasha, really, I don't think you can do more than £270,000 fine. I thought, okay, well, that that gives me something to work towards. If I can do this for £270,000, fabulous. I could probably figure out a deposit, even though I didn't at the time know where I was going to get it from. Or I would just walk away because it wasn't going to be worth any more to me than that. And I also thought that I needed a discount because the seller doesn't need to pay for agency fees. I already know what's going on in the building. I know about the externals projects and the maintenance projects that are going to be happening and I know how the building operates. So the next step was to put in the offer and I started at 255. They've come back and said, no, not acceptable. Eventually we got to around 270. But remember what I said at first, that I can't find any other two bed flat in the area for less than 235. That's a 65 grand discount which is huge. Then I'm thinking, okay, Natasha, right. So now we've, we're under offer. I know I could get finance deposit. Where am I going to get the deposit from? And I made a business plan, which basically said, here's how much we're going to spend on the property. And here is how much we're going to earn on the property. And Chris and I have quite a lot of premium bonds. So that was a portion of the money. I have a remortgage coming up on a flat. So that's going to be a portion of the money. And then I'm going to take investment for £20,000 of the money, which I've already secured. Now, I'm slightly under still, but that was okay because I was now at 50 grand. So I'd found the 50 grand based upon deep breaths, common sense thinking and thinking, well, who can I ask? And when I said I got investment, this is because I put a business plan together and then every single person I spoke to whilst I was in the UK, I told about this property. I didn't give away the address, but I was like, I've got this property and it's in the same building as another one. And I've been earning this on the other one and I think I can do the, the same again on the next. There's nothing that suggests that I couldn't do that. Um, here's how much it would cost me. And, you know, I've, I'm looking for the investment. And then people say, well, how much is the return on that? And I can give them the return based upon the yield that I'm expecting to make from the property. 
right? So that's how it's worked. And I'm always very open with people about the ins and outs, the pros and cons, because that's how you find investment. And then, so then I went back to the, the lender, to my broker and said, okay, well, let's see if we can find some innovative finance. What can we do so that I don't have to necessarily go out of my way to find far more, more money for this? And they've, he's gone, okay, T Natasha, I will come back to you on that. So I've been very honest about the fact that I've got this, the sources of the deposit for up to 50 grand at the moment. I could get more, um, but that's as much as I've got. Now tell me how much I would actually need to purchase this with based upon looking at innovative, innovative finance options. Now, at the time of recording this, I've not had any concrete offers because this was only a conversation that's happened to me within the last 24 hours. But I wanted to let you know that this is where I've got by taking all of that fear because I'm not in any situation at the moment where I'm in any danger or it's scary because I've taken full control. I've also instructed my solicitor um, and my solicitor is there and she will now start working on it. But I've just said, just give me a couple of days until I can find the exact finance that I need for this property. So again, not scary. But I did the other night, and this was before I'd gone out and even started asking about finance, sit on my bed and have to write out all of the pros and cons of buying this. Because without doing that, again, I felt like I would be completely out of my con of control, something that I could not deal with or handle. And I've had to take a very, very reasoned approach to it. And with the reasoned approach, I then know that I know what I'm doing at every single step of the purchase. So let me go through that again, just so that you know what steps I'm taking so that when you're in a situation when, you know, you, you want to buy that investment property, but you're not quite sure if it will work for you or, or, oh my gosh, it's scary. I've got to spend a lot of money. I've got to sign my name away to a massive mortgage loan, blah, 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 blah. We all get it. Trust me, this doesn't go away no matter how many times you do it and how much you invest in, this does not go away. There's always that fear of, <gasps> what if I don't get this back and I lose everything? And the chances of that happening are so slim because at every step of the way, you can make a new decision to a better direction. So again, here's what you do. The minute you find a property that you're interested in and your gut is going to tell you that this is a good thing, I've far too often gone into something with my head and my guts going, Natasha, stop. Like, this doesn't feel right. And I've had to back out. Whereas this time, my gut's like, yeah, fine. We've not got a problem with it. My head's like swimming with thoughts of what could go right, what could go wrong. But that's a good thing for me because I'm like, well, I can get that out on paper. So then the first step was to ask my mortgage broker if I'd get lending on it based upon the rental income and the potential value. Yes, tick. Secondly, I then did a deal analysis based upon the maximum amount I could afford to borrow. Did that work? Was there a business case in it? Yes, fabulous. If I needed to take investment, was there, much, was there enough net profit to be able to pay back the investor or at least give them an interest? Yeah, fabulous. So I can make interest payments. Number four, 
when I remortgage this in two years time, is there going to be equity that I can take out of it? Well, yes, there is because it's so far under value. Fabulous. So I can use that equity to pay back my investor in two years time. Great. So I've already secured that for myself. And do I have any other assets that if I can't, I can't do the remortgage in two years time because of something else, would I be able to save up the money as a nest egg in that time just as a backup? Yes, I would. Okay, tick. So I've now covered all bases. Next up, it's put in the offer. Put in the offer and see what happens. You can always pull out of that, but you need to know how much you're actually going to be paying for that property. So put in the offer. Now, some people say to me, but Natasha, people don't accept offers without seeing what's in your bank account. Well, why do they need to see what's in your bank account? Surely that is a breach of GDPR. You don't have to give anybody your bank account details if you don't want to. So put in the offer and see if it's something that they will accept. If they'll accept it, then at that point, you're going to go out and get an investment or you're going to find the money. Go and explore all sources. And when I'm trying to find money, as I said, I talk to as many people as I possibly can about this deal. And I say the good things and I say the bad things because everybody who invests needs to know everything. And then they can make a fully informed decision. And I also explain how much return or interest they are going to get based upon the amount that they put into the property. After that, it's about putting it in solicitor's hands if you're confident you can get the money. Of course, if you're not confident you can get the money, and confidence is key here, it ain't going to work, so don't waste the, the seller's time. So make sure at this point you're, you're very, 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 very confident that you can make this work. Then it's about finding the long-term finance option. Once you've found the finance, once you've found the deposit, it's time to get going. But at every step of the way, if you are feeling like, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming, I'm scared, I'm terrified. Yes, just know that it happens to everybody and get sat down with your pen and your piece of paper and write your pros list and your cons list and what is the worst case scenario that can happen? And actually the worst case scenario for me, when it boiled it down to it, was that I could be 20 grand overdrawn. But then I knew how to pay back that 20 grand. If the worst comes to the worst, and this is not likely to happen, this is like the 0.05% that might happen. It's completely not likely to happen. But you always fear the worst case scenario. You always go down that route. But if you can come up with a solution of how you would survive that worst case scenario, you are then equipped for everything. In which case, keep moving forward. Share your fears. You don't have to be the brave property investor all of the time. You know, property investment is risky. We all know it. Share that. Talk about it. Talk about it with someone who you trust. Start turning it into something that actually you feel good about or you can laugh at eventually. Every time I've invested in a property, I felt like I'm going crazy. I told you about the time one one purchase the night before completion, I'm sleepwalking around the house. I have never slept walked apart from that. So know it. But if you can have that also, that reasonable common sense, pen to paper, let's write this all down, you will see and you will figure out pretty quickly whether it's the right thing to go with or not. Now, 
as you can probably tell, I'm not really far through this deal at all. So I will keep you updated with it. And I've also not released any address details or anything because it is an off-market deal and I want to keep that to myself. But hopefully that's um, that's opened your eyes to the process that I go through. And yeah, I wasn't expecting to buy anything this year. I already said that, but here we are. What else could the end of the year hold in store? <laughs> 2019. But it's exciting. So hopefully that's alleviated some of your fears around prop- buying property. But if it hasn't, and really it's okay if it hasn't, you've now got the tools so that when you find a property deal that you actually think, yeah, this could work, fabulous. Now you're back in control of the situation and you can make it work for you. So I hope that's been a really useful podcast and I hope it's opened your eyes to how I look at things and my processes and you can in turn use that for you. If you've liked this podcast, don't forget to leave me a good review please your support really really supports me here and also make sure you follow the podcast on whatever platform you listen to your podcast on so make sure you're subscribing thank you for listening to me this week i cannot wait to catch up with you again soon